Salt Lake City, Utah. This is Heart of the Matter, and I'm your host, Sean McCraney, where Mormonism meets biblical Christianity face-to-face. Would you like to see past archive shows? Go to bornagainmormon.com. Learn more about our ministry. Get the book. Go to www.bornagainmormon.com. Every day we are seeing people's lives changed by the freedom offered through the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now many people ask us, why are you doing a show specifically about Mormonism? Why don't you pick on or would you dare pick on Judaism or Islam or Buddhism? And let me offer you two reasons. First, I was an active member of the LDS Church for 40 years. I know Mormonism. I was a returned missionary, married in the temple, youth leader, early morning seminary teacher, elders quorum president, stake high council, bishopric member, high priest. Uh, I know Mormonism well. My family is LDS. So that's the first reason. Secondly, Judaism, Islam, and or Buddhism doesn't claim to be Christian. I respect every group's right to believe what they want to believe. We're not religious despots here. We're not trying to force everybody to do things our way. But listen, Mormonism claims that God came to Joseph Smith in 1820 and told him that all Christian churches on earth were wrong and that all their creeds were an abomination to him. Add today that Mormon sends out missionaries to the doorsteps of people around the world teaching them that they are the only true Christian church on the face of this earth. In other words, Mormonism thinks it has the right to say that they are right and all the rest of us are wrong. They maintain this, their scriptures teach this, their missionaries reinforce it. But finally, and perhaps most importantly, Mormonism is not supported biblically as a Christian faith. And we... defend our right to defend God's word. A recent article by the editor of the Deseret News, which is a local statewide newspaper and e-publication owned by the LDS Church, equates the use of the term Mormonism or LDS by fundamentalist groups and the media outlets at large to identity theft. The, uh, says editor Joe Cannon, the LDS Church has the right and expectation that the use of these terms, Mormonism and LDS, will convey certain impressions to those who become aware of them. This is known in the business world as brand equity. 
end quote. So while Salt Lake City Mormons are fighting tooth and nail to control who can use the names LDS and to define what LDS means around the world, they have no problem stealing a brand name that was established by the blood of Jesus Christ and the lives of millions of people afterwards, Christianity. How come they get to eat, take their cake and eat it too? On a related note, New York Times op-ed columnist Timothy Egan was berated by the LDS church historian Marlon Jenkins on April 23rd of this year for an article which said, in effect, that the FLDS, that's the fundamental, Fundamentalist Latter-day Saints, in the polygamous compound in Texas are nothing more than a mirror of 19th century Mormonism. The historian Jensen replied they have nothing to do with 19th century Mormon women, that the women in the FLDS camp uh, down in Texas are, um, are subdued and timid and uneducated and kind of like drones, and that if you try to compare them to the LDS women of the 19th century when polygamy ran amok here in this state and in other places, Marlon Jensen, the historian, says that they were educated and enlightened and uh, domineering in their uh, work and in their home and in the community. First, I'd like to remind historian Jensen where the FLDS obtained the doctrine of uh, celestial marriage in the first place. I want to show you a picture that was taken at the FLDS compound in one of the classrooms. If you see, this is a chalkboard. It talks about the morning class, math, English, history, spelling, handwriting. This was taught by the women in the FLDS church, so they're not dumb fence posts, uh, Brother Jensen. These are educated women. These people are teaching. But look who's up there in the top uh, left-hand corner above that uh, chalkboard. We have Joseph Smith, Brigham Young, John Taylor. These men, these are the founders of Mormonism, the same church that you revere. So this is really the problem. Secondly, I would remind Elder Jensen that the FLDS more properly follow Mormonism and its doctrine than the Salt Lake-based church. Third, do you really expect us to buy into the line that there is no comparison to the FLDS women in Texas and 19th century LDS plural wives in the Mormon church? You say the LDS women in the early church were not subservient. Who are you trying to kid? Any woman who agrees to share her husband with one or two or 55 other women is tacitly subservient or quickly becomes such. You imply that these women down in Texas don't teach school, can't read or write or publish like the advanced women of early LDS history? Your spin is ridiculous. Who teaches their children in the compound? We could see the women. Have the women here and the women in the 19th century LDS church been misled? Absolutely. Have they been lied to? Absolutely. Are they all obedient, obediently following their prophet, Joseph Smith? Absolutely. And we could go on and on. The point, the real point here is Timothy Egan in this article in the New York Times points out and church uh, historian Jensen refuses to acknowledge is that polygamy and the practice of it is the same in any Mormon tradition. LDS, FLDS, what the heck LDS, it all originates from Joseph Smith, all of it. And both the women, men, and children in Texas 
and, and in their compounds and in compounds around the world. And the men, women, and children in the LDS church in this state proper all look to Joseph Smith as the man to revere and love and obey. How about a poem written by me? From the seed grows a tree. From the tree falls the fruit. From the fruit comes a seed. From the seed grows a tree. Profound, isn't it? With that, let's have a word of prayer and we'll get on to our topic tonight. Dear God, we need you. We ask you to be with us. Open up the eyes and ears of our listeners. Help us and viewers. Help us to uh, do what we should do in your eyes and share your truths. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we're going to get our operators going early on this show because I'm going to cover less uh, material at the beginning and some different material toward the end. So we open up the phone lines right now, 801-973-TV20, 801-973-8820. If you have a question or comment, please give us a call. So we're going to continue our coverage of what the LDS call the 17 points of the true church. Tonight we're going to cover number four of their 17 points, namely that the true church must have the same organization as Christ's church. That's the fourth point. So the fourth point tells us that the same organization, this is their words, these are their words, and I, when I hear the same organization, I think about the very same organization. I would think that whatever Jesus truly established would be present in his church now, nothing more, nothing less. I mean, this is what the rule implies. And I would agree with the rule that the things Jesus established as being part of his church would be there. In the last two weeks, we've talked about apostles and prophets, and both the LDS and the Christians believe in apostles and prophets, but in vastly different ways, and we've covered that. What else was presented in the church Jesus Christ established? Well, the, F the, not F -LDS, the LDS church uses Ephesians 4, 11 through 14 as the basis for their claim of these offices that need to be present in the true church on earth today. I'm going to read it to you quickly. Ephesians 4, 11 through 14. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God and unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the statue of, stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. The LDS use this. They read this to unsuspecting people investigating the church, and then they go on to say, this is how Jesus uh, set up his church. We have the true church. It, uh, let's list the offices Paul mentions here. He says apostle and prophets. In the LDS church, there's a switch always. It's always prophet and apostles. Paul says apostles and prophets, they always do the switch. He talks about evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So, do the LDS have evangelists? In the Greek, the word is euangelistes, sorry, which means preacher of the gospel. Do they have anyone called an evangelist? No, but they have missionaries. So they might say, they are our evangelists, we have them. Okay, well, we'll call it, okay, even. 
Do they have pastors? In the Greek, the, the name for pastor is poimen, and it means shepherd, okay? The LDS say this office is the same as their bishop, all right? But this is just not so. The bishop is an episcopate, which is the exact same office as that of an elder or a presbyter. When the Bible mentions elder, presbyter, or a bishop, or episcopate, it's all the same office. Biblically, an elder and a bishop and a presbyter were all designed, designated as overseers of the church. But an elder in the LDS church is not an overseer, nor is an elder a bishop, nor is a bishop an elder. So they've totally lost, they've totally lost faith on this one. They've lost ground. They cannot stand on this fourth point of the true church based on this alone. Once again, it's, the meaning is rendered completely void. Then one could ask, if the true church must be the same church as what Jesus instituted, what about all the additions Mormonism has made to the Lord's original church? When I read it's got to be the same church, same is same. Did Christ's church have first and second counselors and a first presidency, an elders quorum president, a relief society president, wards, ward clerks, stake presidents, stake high councilmen, men and gleaners, regional representatives, sunbeams, moonbeams, boy scouts, Maya maids, etc., etc. Psychopaths. No, sorry, I'm just kidding. Come on, we got a pony up here. You say this is a sign of the, of the true church, that it's going to be the same organization, and you use the Bible to support it, and then we look at the LDS church, and you not only have titles that don't fit with what the Greek means, you have a ton of extra stuff. This isn't the same organization. Is it? Call me and prove me wrong. What does the Bible say about deacons? Listen to this. It says a deacon should be, quote, found blameless, and that their wife should be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things, end quote. That they should be, quote, the husbands of one wife, rulers of their children and their house as well, and, quote, that they have used the office of a deacon well purchased to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. What is a deacon in the LDS church? A deacon is a male child 12 to 13 years old. Okay? The Bible tells us that he has to be blameless, <laughs> that he has to have uh, one wife, and that his wife is to be grave, not a slanderer, sober, faithful in all things. Does this sound like the same church Jesus established? I'm not going to belabor the point any longer. If there is one thing that was present in the Lord's church that is missing in Mormonism, or there is one thing missing in Mormonism that was presented in the Lord's church, this fourth point is mute. You see, my friends, when these missionaries come knock on the door and they hand their searching, these searching people their pamphlets and cards of like the 17 points of the true church, they prey upon people who are unsuspecting and haven't been taught in what the truth is. And they sell them a package of goods, not at all part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they bind them up then in time in temple rites, in mandatory tithing in order to see their exaltation, in special clothing, in multiple wife doctrines, all of which have never had anything to do with the church Christ organized. Let's take some time to go to some calls. We have uh, the lines are full. We're going to Steve in Springville. First time caller. Steve, you're on Heart of the Matter. 
Steve? Steve? Okay, Steve's gone. Uh, we're going to Shannon in Midvale, first-time caller. Yeah, Sean, I congratulate you on your program. It's wonderful. Thank you. Now, I have a question. I get the Salt Lake Tribune seven days a week. In the Sunday Tribune, there is a TV weekly guide. Why is it that your program is not listed? We have tried several times uh, to contact them, and uh, it's the same story with Dish. It's the same story. We'd, I don't know. We get all kinds of reasons as to why they can't put it in or haven't put it in. I don't know. It's going to take the complaints of the public to say, uh, please do it. Uh, we can only do so much. We have a limited staff, and that has been at the bottom of our list. But I'll tell you, we'll get somebody to try to follow up and, and see if we can do it again. All righty. And another thing, I had a near-death experience, and God is not a human being. He is total, unabiding love. Wow. Great testimony. Not surprising, but a great testimony. Thanks. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We have Steve in Brigham City on line four. Steve, you're on Heart of the Matter. Sean, what's up, my man? Not much. How you doing? Hey, I'm pretty good. Hey, I just uh, had a quick point to uh, ask you. Okay. So I, uh, I grew up in a non-religious home, and I've only I discovered the Christian faith in the past few years. I don't affiliate myself particularly with any denomination, but other than the Bible, one of my favorite Christian books is Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, and I was just wondering, what are your thoughts on Lewis's writings in general and that book? I think C.S. Lewis is a, a great uh, um, theo-philosopher, and I think that Mere Christianity is a, is a very good book. I don't think that he, um, he was a scriptorian. I think a lot of what C.S. Lewis talked about was from his intellect, and a lot of it makes great sense. And I praise God that he came to know the Lord and is a Christian and has influenced so many people. But some of the things that he goes into are not biblical. They're all very um, um, just suggestive of what truth could be. And I like it. It's like, it's like fantasy writing sometimes. But I think Mere Christianity is an excellent book. Right, and uh, just wondering, do you have any uh, specific uh, recommendations on any similar books? Um, yeah, I, uh, well, of course, I like a guy named Tozer. Is it A.Z. Tozer? Someone? Yeah, and uh, I like reading Charles Spurgeon, if we're talking about uh, those. I like reading uh, books from people who are alive. Charles Stanley, I think he has great books. Um, when it comes to uh, reading about, I like Chuck Smith's books. Um, and you can get those online, many of them for free. You can get the document just by printing it. Um, mm. Off the top of my head, those are some. All right, hey, thanks. You're welcome. Thanks for calling. Yeah, we'll see you, bud. Bye-bye. We're going to Cree, first-time caller on line three. This is right. Cree. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to put you on hold here, okay? Okay. Okay. Well, uh, I'm going to go to Casper on line two. Hey, Sean, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing really good, man. Hey, um, so uh, I, I can't watch the show. I'm sorry, so I haven't been watching tonight. Um, but uh, anyway, the reason why I called and why I, I wanted to talk to you tonight is uh, so I caught the couple of the most the recent shows where you've been saying, look, you know, you got to get your name off the records of the church. Right. Let's do it. And so here's my complaint, if you want to call that. Uh, I, you know, from the beginning, I always thought your ministry, I thought of your ministry as just uh, to bring people to Christ flat out done. And that just seems more like 
bringing down the church. And I just don't think a blatant, a blanket decision like that is realistic. And the reason why is obviously in my situation, which you know well. Um, if I, you know, when I told you, I've told you before, when I wrote that letter and said I want my name removed, communication stopped in my family. My wife stopped communicating with me. My brother-in-law stopped communicating with me um, about matters of of Christ and. It, it put up this wall, and it's never changed. You know, that wall hasn't come down, um, except for maybe minor situations. And so I think a blanket statement like that is unrealistic and doesn't, it does, I don't think it serves the goals of the ministry. Okay. Uh, you want to hang up so we can free the line? I'll answer it off. Um, I wouldn't oh, that's right. You can't like watch it. If I can. All right. Well, let me, let me say this. Um, the LDS Church uses the numbers of members to their advantage everywhere in the world. And I've had a change of heart, as I said on the show, of my stance on this. And it's because I see them abusing this and, they, and numbers influence people. And when they see churches growing and they think these people know something that I don't. So if we can do anything to help some poor guy in Indonesia who hears that there's 13 million people and growing every day and if we can have people say, you know, the Mormon church is, is actually stagnant or is decreasing, I think it will help keep some people. And that's a sacrifice that, that we would make in a situation like yours. Secondly, um, I, I think that it sends a very clear message to the LDS church that we're not going to take this anymore. And I think that it's a step to help them within the church back and say, just like the Worldwide Church of God did with Herbert W. Armstrong, maybe we're doing something wrong. Maybe it's time. We've had enough people send us these dang letters. Maybe it's time that uh, we actually make a stance and refute some of the things that Joseph Smith and Brigham Young taught and said. Now, John, you, you, John, the Worldwide Church of God, didn't, they didn't shut down or change their ways because of, of letters or people withdrawing from the church. They changed because of the moving of the Holy Spirit. That's why they changed, and, and well, the death of their well, leader. Well, actually, but, you know, they changed it's, because it's a of... evaluation from the moving of the Holy Spirit. No, they changed because of Taycotch, and yes, the Holy Spirit moved him, but maybe, you know, these guys are a corporate, and I don't think the Holy Spirit's really abiding in, in the church headquarters, so letters Somewhere. saying we abandoned ship might do it. Now, I realize it's a tactic, but you say, you know, it's not feasible, it's not going to do anything. Well, let me tell you this. Because of YouTube, we get emails from Sweden from uh, New Zealand, from Australia, from England, from uh, uh, Korea. We get emails from all over the place, people who have a relative or are LDS or are thinking of being LDS who watch the show and they second guess their decisions uh, uh, from the past or what they were contemplated in doing. So Andy, I'm sorry, but I, I, I've had a change of heart. I think I am also privy to the Holy Spirit. Our ministry is to lead people to Christ. But we do two things. We try to get the individual, but we also keep pressure on that big uh, monolithic church over there and see if we can do something to cause them to think. Well, I think what you're getting from YouTube is showing that the pressure's there um, regardless of this particular aspect. And I still think that if it's going to disrupt communication channels and the ability for someone to, to express what Jesus has done for them, man, I think, it's, I think it serves a greater good to leave the name on for a little while. Yeah. And, and to have that open channel. Well, you know, I, I, do, uh, I do 
congratulate anybody who feels that the Holy Spirit has led them to do that. I said that in our initial ministry, and I don't change that. If someone came to me like yourself and said, I really think I should stay in there with my family, keep my name on, you, obviously I don't believe it. I go to a Christian church every Sunday, but I'll keep my name on if that will keep my family talking to me. I mean, it really seems strange that the fact you can keep your name on the record of the church, Andy, but you are actually serving in a Christian church and they'll communicate with you, but you take the step to have your name off and suddenly they don't. Maybe it's just your particular family that's that's uh, different in this, and maybe that wouldn't apply to everybody else. Well, you know, inactive is better than non-member. You know, you know right. that. All right, man. Thanks for the call. All right. Talk to you. Thanks. Bye-bye. We're going to Brian in Ogden. Brian, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, this is Brian. I'm from Ogden. I'm the guy that sent you that Nephilim book, Sean. How are you? You're the guy who sent me what, Brian? The Nephilim book. The Nephilim book, Yes. All right, and my question uh, is really actually for the LDS Church. They were supposed to have had their explanation of Mountain Meadow Massacre out by this 1st of May. Where is it? I, I don't know. I didn't know they were coming out with their definition of what happened there. Oh, oh, yes, and it isn't out yet, and by their fruits ye shall know them. <laughs> Comment for tonight. All right, that's a good one. Okay, thank you. Thanks for that Nephilim book. Alrighty. Okay, bye-bye. We're going to Mike in Santa Quinn. Mike, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, how's it going? Good, Mike. How are you? Good. Hey, first-time caller here. Uh, I am LDS. Uh, very strong LDS and always have been, always will be. Um, <clears throat> last week, you had a caller uh, call in, and he mentioned, he talked a little bit about feeling. Um, I, I don't remember exactly the whole conversation, but you guys were talking back and forth about President Monson and, and this and that, and uh, yeah. uh, he was talking about how how he felt and he knew that the President Monson was a prophet of God. Right. Um, anyways, uh, my question to you is, is in Galatians, I believe it's Galatians 5, uh, 22 and 23, it talks about fruits of the Spirit. Um, yes. And I believe it, it mentions uh, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, I mean, how, how, how do you interpret that? I mean, when I read that scripture, I think of, of all those things being feelings. Um, how is love not a feeling, or how is peace not a feeling? How is joy not a feeling? Does that, does that kind of make sense? Like I, it makes very good sense. It makes very good sense. And actually, it's a really good question. It's one of the better questions we've had in two and a half years. Oh, uh, that's good. Hey, can, can I hang up and listen to your response? Absolutely. All right, hey, thanks. I appreciate it. Okay, bye-bye. I think it's important to understand why Paul wrote in Ephesians, in, in the book of Ephesians, the fruit of the Spirit being love, joy, peace, happiness, long-suffering, everything else. He wrote it in the context of people being Christian, that this is what they would experience as being Christian. He does not say you can't have love, joy, peace, and, and long-suffering. He doesn't say you can't have that if you're not a Christian. He just explains that this is uh, something that you'll experience as a disciple of Jesus Christ. But you have to understand, there are many things in this life that present uh, love, joy, and peace in our hearts. God has given us the blessings of family, whether you believe in him or not. He's given us the blessing, blessings of good health, of a beautiful world, of good food. All these things can produce and evoke these type of responses and the question is, what is it that causes 
the love, the joy, the peace, the long-suffering, the temperance, the patience within you. Now, uh, LDS Church has a great focus on living right, on having good families, of being faithful husbands, faithful wives. They have a lot of programs for family. I have no problem with those things. I think they're great. But I do think Jesus takes a back seat to that. And I believe that their happiness, their love, their joy, their happiness is all founded on the things of family and the other teachings that predate or precede Jesus Christ. The Christian, on the other hand, has love, peace, joy, happiness when everything from this world, family, spouses, food, amusement parks are taken from them and stripped from them. When a Latter-day Saint, and I've seen this, when they lose those things, they turn to Jesus and then they understand the real root of true love, joy, peace, happiness, and the fruits of the Spirit. I hope that was a good explanation for you. One more thing. They call it Happy Valley. They call it Happy Valley because of the way they live. It is a way to be happy, but it is not joy. And this explanation is the joy in Christ that Paul is trying to teach people they can have, which does not waver. Latter-day Saints, love, joy, peace, and all that, wavers greatly. That's why they're the highest users of Prozac in the nation per capita in this state. Okay? All right, so I hope that helped. Let's go to Cree and Provo. This is the second time. Cree, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. Hey, I'm kind of uh, just, I guess, studying, like, all these religion-type things, and I've had the missionaries to my house uh, a couple times. Yeah. And I have, you know, my main concern is I've met with quite a few different churches, you know, and each of them, you know, have the Bible, and, you know, the Mormons have Book of Mormon and stuff like that, which I've, you know, read a little bit. But my main problem is, is every single person that I go to has got a different interpretation of just, say, even just one scripture. Yeah. Which, you know, kind of leads me to a huge concern as to where the LDS people come in and say, that's the reasons for the prophets and apostles to where, you know, they have this, cer this certain type of interpretation from God that's directly revealed to the prophets. And sure. So, you know, and I can understand where they get their theory of all these churches coming out. Yeah. And so that's my one question as to where, you know, how important that, that, that doctrine should be, you know, okay. as far as today is concerned. And my other one... Oh, wait. Hold the other one. Let me answer this one first, Cree. Okay. Okay? It's a really... It's another great question. We're getting great questions tonight. Listen. The, I, 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 the, the totalistic religionists, they call them cults, but you are going to find absolute certainty within the four walls of any church that could be deemed a cult. They tell you exactly how things are. They give you complete clarification on every single verse. They'll tell you what you're supposed to believe, how you're supposed to believe it, and how often you're supposed to believe it. I mean, it is laid out. That's the LDS church. They say their prophets and apostles are the ones who tell you what this means. Now, I, I got to tell you, having been LDS, you will find variant opinions on the scriptures throughout within the LDS church itself. So that is really not a true statement. But when the Holy Spirit came at the uh, day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is what you're seeking for. And let me tell you, let me try to explain it this way. God works in everybody in different ways. He doesn't major in the minors of scripture. If you Cree read a verse and it means something to you and I read a verse and the camera people here read verses and we all have a different take, 
Those are not deal breakers. God doesn't really seem to mind. He made us individually. Some of us are fat and thin. Some of us have great minds and some of us have smaller minds. Whatever it is, we are different and he operates through us, through the Holy Spirit in a different way. The church Jesus set up is, is very um, loosely knit. And it's beautiful because everybody has the right to grow up in the Holy Spirit with God in the Bible and him leading them the way he wants to do that. I'm not saying he's a relativist. His truths are truths. But you'll always find that the, the totalist group saying, no, this is exactly what this means. And everybody says, oh, yeah, CP, wah. And this is what this means, CP, CP, wah, wah. And we just keep doing it, the, and they all believe. But God does not work that way, and it's one of the beauties that there's diversity within the Christian churches. Here's one last thing on that point. They all agree, though, all of them, on who God is, how he's constructed, who Jesus was, what his birth was, what his resurrection was, what the Bible is. They all agree on that. And those are the essentials that God says, hey, I major in those things, and they all agree in those ways. Okay, next question. Oh, come on. Oh, oh, okay. My last question. I thought you were going to hang up on me. <laughs> no. Okay. But I, okay. That was a great you know, reaction. You're saying there with everything, but still, you know, it still kind of seems just like you're saying, you know, that it's not good to say that, that the Bible says this, follow this, when the way that I would feel, you know, and like I said, I'm still debating on which church to join. Like, I've had these morning guys come to my house, for example, and here's my question on this point, is they said, look, read this pamphlet, and it says, accept Jesus Christ, and you're saved. And for me, I would, I would love to be able to believe that because I lived a sinful life. And for me to be able just to read a simple prayer and to be able to be accept Jesus and be saved, right. I still would be awesome because it would be so easy. Right. I feel that Jesus lived a, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't want to say a terrible life because he lived a great life, but he was punished so horribly yes. that I feel like that I should have to feel somewhat regret from what I've done. And I understand the whole process of repentance, but here's my question. The born-agains, I asked him, I said, you know, okay, what's the whole point of being baptized, you know, if all you guys are asking me to do is say a prayer? And they told me, well, baptism isn't, you know, the main thing to get into heaven. It's the acceptance of Jesus Christ. And I said, well, then why did Jesus Christ get baptized when him of all people is, that, is absolutely perfect? But yet he was baptized. So you're telling me to not get baptized. All that I have to do is accept Jesus Christ, follow his teachings, not get baptized, but just keep following. And then from that, and then from there on out, I'm okay no matter what I do. Okay, you are, Cree, I love your heart, man. You are searching for truth, and there are, you had about, you had about 74, about 75 hours of response in your, in your presentation just there. I mean, we're talking about salvation. We're talking about saying, uh, you're asking Jesus to save you versus yeah. really wanting him to. You're asking about baptism. Let me, let me, are you still there? Are you talking to your dog? No, my dog. He's he biting my tail. I'm sorry. Okay. Listen, Cree, go to our, you have the website, you have the internet. Go to our website and watch the show on baptism, and you will understand why Jesus was, baptism, was baptized and what baptism means. Email us and let us send you some uh, information, and let, we'll come down. I'll come down and meet with you. Our pastors will meet with you, and we'll sit, and we will talk it at length with this. And I promise you, when you use the word, and you, and you read it contextually, and you understand what it's saying, I promise you, you'll have answers. But do not join a church. Do not join a Mormon church. Do not join any church. Okay, wait, 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 wait. 
Okay, one last question. All right, what quick. Be, okay, listen, what would be so wrong? I know that I've, I've, I've watched your show, and I've watched you guys bash the Mormons for not being Christians, supposedly. Whatever you, point you want to make about that, I've heard it a million times. But the missionaries have came to my house, and literally all they have talked about is Jesus Christ. But I won't say they haven't talked about Joseph Smith, because they have, and about Thomas S. Monson, Gordon B. Hinckley, and previous prophets. But they have talked about Jesus Christ. And, of course they you know, have. The atonement. But, okay, here's the thing. If I was to join the Mormon religion, yeah. I don't think that it would be fair to say that I wouldn't be called a Christian just because I was going to be LDS, because they do believe in Jesus Christ. They point out Bible scriptures. The too. devils believe in Jesus Christ, Cree. Well, they do. Well, I mean, you can't say that, though. I mean, I can say that. They tremble argument. at his presence. Look at you. You have to understand this is the why that is so. This is why we have a show. Because they can come to your house and they can show you the flip chart and they can talk about Jesus Christ ad nauseum. But when the rubber meets the road, my friend, you join that church, you get caught up, you start paying the tithes, you start doing the temple. And pretty soon Jesus Christ is sitting at the back seat of a car in the parking lot while you're up there doing stuff that has nothing to do with them. And they trap you. I'm telling you, I've been there. So we, we have to get down to what is it? You let us come and talk to you. We'll send our missionaries. Kevin and I or Marcus and I will come and knock Fine, on you. I, I, I'd love to meet with you guys. Okay, you email me. You. Give me your address, and we will make a date to come down. And you invite the missionaries over, too, and we'll have sure. a one-on-one, two-on-two. And if we don't win in the scripture, we'll punch them out. <laughs> Just kidding. Well, you know, the thing is, though, is, I mean, I've, I've already heard the debates from the scripture, and it comes down to the point again, is no. who's right. I don't think you have, my friend. I really don't think you I've, have. I've been, no, I'm not just telling you that I have because I have. I have, and I have. I've heard plenty of debates in my life. Okay. Cree, I've ta it's been a great call. You said you'd email, email me. Email me. Give me your address. We'll talk, and then we'll set that meeting up. Okay, we'll do it. All right, man. God bless. See you. Bye-bye. We're going to Andrew in Aberdeen, Washington. Andrew, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Sean, this is Andrew. Hi, Andrew. Hey, I'm calling from uh, Aberdeen, Washington. Yes, you are. Uh, yeah, we're, we've been longtime listeners, and we just wanted to call in and tell you how much we love your show, and now we watch it on streaming video, and we uh, we uh, lived in Brigham City for about seven years. So wow. We, we caught your show probably the last couple of years that we lived there, and we've just really enjoyed it, and just wanted to let you know how much we enjoy your ministry, and well, praise God, Andrew. I appreciate you tuning in and watching. Are you able to share it with your other Christian or LDS friends and neighbors out there? Uh, yeah, I've, I've actually we're at a hospital here, and I've got a couple of surgeons that are Mormon, and I've kind of tried to tune them into it, too, so they can watch it. So. Well, good. I, I, we really appreciate that. I look forward to meeting you sometime. All right. God bless you, my friend. You too. Thanks for calling. Yep. Bye-bye. We're going to Kayleen and Kern's first-time caller. Kayleen, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. Hi, how are you? I'm fine. Thank you for what you do. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for um, watching. Listen, my mother uh, uh, died in, in uh, September, and going through her things, I come upon two books. My mother was a Christian. Daddy was a Mormon. Uh, he was saved before he died. Um, I have Brigham's Destroying Angel by Bill Hickman. Ooh, that's a good one. 1904. And I have Hell Upon Earth, the Mormon Hell Upon Earth, Polygamy, Incest, and Murder are Taught and Practiced as Religion Under the All-Seeing Eye. Is that the title? 
Yeah. Wow. I was wondering if you knew anything about the two, and if you did, uh, what I, they're about. I think Destroying Angel is a uh, biography on Porter Rockwell, I'm pretty sure. And, okay. And he was uh, a childhood friend of Joseph Smith. Yeah, Joseph, oh, okay. Joseph Smith promised him if he never cut his hair, he'd never lose his physical strength. Oh. And uh, he is uh, thought to have committed several murders uh, for both Joseph and Brigham Young. That's why they call him the Destroying Angel. Oh, okay. And the other one, I have absolutely no idea. Who's the author? W. Jarman. It's Hell Upon Earth for U.S. Uncle Sam by W. Jarman, E-S-Q-K-G-L and T-C-K. Knight of the Grand Legion of North America. Knights of the Grand Legion? Yes, and it was written in 1884. Wow, I don't know. We'll check that out. You might want to go to, uh, what's one of those uh, uh, one of those book searches online? Check out, just type that title in. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but good call. We'll check. If you, when you find out, give us a call and tell us what you found. I sure will. God bless. God bless you. Bye-bye. Bye. We're going to Brandy on line two. Brandy, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi. Hi, Brandy. You know me. I do? Yeah. How? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Sean, I just wanted to make a comment. Okay. Um, I wanted to say that to the guy that um, called in about leaving his or taking his name off the rolls, I just wanted to say, you know, following Christ is a sacrifice. It always is. Yeah. And sometimes God puts us through these things because he wants our total devotion. Yeah. And, you know, all the disciples did it. They all sacrificed for something. And sometimes when you take your name off the rolls or you leave something behind, um, you, you give that much more devotion to God than yeah. if you didn't. Brandy, I'm really glad you called and made that uh, comment because it was needed. And uh, that is part of it. You know, we want to take the easy route and do all of our little tricks to keep people happy and keep families talking. But uh, I have had a change of heart of it. I've repented from my previous uh, decision to not take your name off, and I think it would be a great message to do it. So I really appreciate you calling. No problem. Thanks. Bye-bye. Um, Bye. You know, when the Titanic set off for sail into the icy uh, waters, the captain, whose name was Smith, ironically, said that the ship was unsinkable. And after it struck the iceberg and uh, all the elite classes on the upper decks came out and he reassured them with his captains that there was no need to get on the lifeboats. Don't get on the lifeboat, it's okay. Stay on ship, it's safe, it's the safe place. So they had lifeboats getting loaded with just a couple people who didn't believe Smith and went out to safety there on that night. As the situation grew worse and worse, the band started playing Lead Kindly Light a song about trusting Jesus and Jesus alone to take you through the mists of darkness. Uh, lead kindly night amidst, uh, I can't remember the words, I was going to try to recall it. Amidst encircling gloom, lead thou me on. The night is dark and I am far from home. Lead thou me on. And that's what the band sang. Now, as the people in steerage, the poor folk, the people who weren't accepted by the upper class, the people who were in the celestial kingdom, started trying to come up and get on those boats, those lifeboats. Then the situation started to get ugly, and they actually shot 10 of them so that the elite class could get on first. I have a saying that I think we should adopt, and we're going to push it. Abandon ship. Abandon ship now. 
get on the lifeboat called Jesus Christ and get off this giant sinking Titanic because it's going to take you to places you don't want to go. Abandon ship. Write those letters. Put them and say, take me off these rolls. Change uh, things. If you want instructions on how to do it, go to www.bornagainmormon. There's instructions there on how to get your name off the records of the church. You can go to utlm.org for other information as well as that. And they have plenty of things. But abandon ship. Don't be caught down in steerage, treated like a third-class citizen. Get your name off, cut it clean, and have a relationship with Jesus Christ, which sometimes, like Brandy said, there is a cost. But I'll tell you, I promise, I know you're not supposed to swear to God, and I'm not, but I swear to you, it's worth it. It's worth it to your family. It, God sees your faithfulness. He knows your heart. He sees that you've stepped out in courage. You're willing to face it. Write that letter and tell him, I'm not having anything to do with it until you reject all these things that bother me. Okay, we're going to Cambria in Murray on line four. Cambria, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. I'm excellent. Got a job finally, so praise God. Excellent. Um, I had an encounter with a um, gentleman who was working in my home that I thought would be an interesting story, and I'll make it as short as possible because I have three observations. Okay, make it really short, Cambria. Okay. Um, basically, he's a novelist, um, of which the Mormon Church won't publish, nor will the Christian uh, side of the fence publish. So he's therefore self-published. Reason why is because the Mormon Church has excommunicated him because of his passion for Jesus, of all things. Uh, his belief in the what goes around comes around, um, the love one another's. That's what he kept talking about over and over and over again. What I feel is really sad is he still doesn't get it, despite his passion, despite his answering questions and Christians coming into his life on a regular basis, his eyes are still not open, um, which breaks my heart. That's my observation. And I've come to realize this weekend through another message to my pastor is that it's all God. It's God's grace. We have to just keep praying these people into the kingdom. Their eyes will open because I feel that they're the most dangerous kind of non quote-unquote, in-between believer that we have it can do more damage for um, the Christian fellows because he's coming, he looks like a um, the candle, he looks like light, right. but his, his, he's, he's speaking mistruth. Right. And the last thing I wanted to say was I thought was really sad is that the Christian publishers have never told him why. He huh. just thinks he's hated, so he thinks all Christians hate him. Oh, that's unfortunate. So I would encourage all Christians. To embrace all Mormons and love them to death. Love them into the kingdom. Great call, Cambria. Thank you so much. You're welcome. God Take bless. Bye-bye. Okay, we are uh, going to Tony in West Valley City. Tony, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Sean. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Great. I just had a little interesting story that I wanted to share with you. I thought this was quite maybe not surprising. I, I work at a museum and I have a colleague who used to work at the Museum of Church History and Art. And she told us last week that when she first got her job there that she had to sign a non-disclosure agreement that stated that even that under no circumstances up to and including death would she disclose any information about her experiences in working there. Wow. I guess, in a manner of speaking, blood atonement is still <laughs> wow. around. Wow, that's heavy. She also told us, 
that um, they have at their museum, they work on artifacts that are stored in the temple, and that people who have not had their endowments are not even allowed to touch those artifacts that are normally kept in the temple. Wow. That's wild stuff. Does she happen to have a copy of that letter? I didn't ask. Um, I may be able to ask sometime, but... Um, well, if, if you happen to get it and you happen to find a fax and happen to know my number, I'd love to see it. I'll see what I can do. All right, my brother. Thanks so much. Hey, thanks. Okay, bye-bye. Listen, uh, the other caller who's from Provo, he says that he has the missionaries over and they talk about Jesus Christ. Of course, they talk about Joseph Smith, the apostles, and everybody else. But they do talk about Jesus Christ. And then we had Cambria say that they, these are the most dangerous types because they come as angels of light. They're, they're, they're clean shaven and they're, they're well scrubbed and they're well dressed and they present such good messages. And, you know, it would be really ridiculous, um, even though Satan does do this, to send us something that was really uh, hideous and say, hey, this is truth. So he sends us really uh, good packages. Now, some people resonate to hideous pictures, and so he sends them to them in pornography and things like that. But some people are, are, are try to be good at heart, and when they see such a good picture like this, they're really intrigued, and that is uh, so deceptive. I have seen so many people who have rather broken lives who have made some grave mistakes, who don't have money, who don't have nice clothes, who aren't well kept, who have the glory of Jesus just beaming from them. This is not to say that people who are Christian, who are well kept, are any lesser. In fact, often they are the, the, the cream of the crop. But I'm just saying we have a spectrum here, and it's all Jesus. Be careful of deceptors. I would agree with Cambria that it is one of the greatest deceptions ever. It looks, it smells, it talks, it walks, but it's not. Okay, let's go to Tim in Oklahoma City. Tim, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. This is Tim. Hi. You got, uh, you got my email. I don't know if you remember who I am, but uh, I'm the guy who is going to have the missionaries over and try and preach to him. You told me to look into the history of the church. Okay. And, uh, and I did, and I was kind of, what really stuck out to me was the mountain, I think it's the Mountain Meadows Massacre. Yeah. I was, cu I was curious as to, since you have been a returned missionary and, uh, and all that stuff, what was your, if anybody would bring that up to you, what was your response or what would the missionary's response to me be? And in, in turn, what should I respond to their responses? And I'll, I'll hang up so you can answer that. All right, Tim, thanks. Thank you. It's a great question. However, when I was on a mission, we didn't have the Internet. And so the Mountain Meadows was not known except by a few uh, scholarly, bookwormish type people, type people who would read about Mormonism in greater depth. And then when someone would give us the question about, well, what about this Mountain Meadows massacre? Uh, let me tell you, I can role play with you right now. Oh, we don't, we don't have the facts on that. We uh, know it was a terrible tragedy. And uh, we're, we're so sorry for the people who lost their lives in that tragedy. But I, I want to tell you that Brigham Young had nothing to do with that. The Lord's Church would never have anything to do with such violence. And the things you're hearing are lies, my friend. So trust your feelings of how you feel when you talk to me. And, and just let this go by you. And, and uh, Mountain Meadows, you know, it's in the past. Let's let that go, as Gordon B. Hinckley would say. Let, that's in the past. We don't, you know. And so that's really what would happen in my case. Now, 
bring it up to the missionaries, you're probably going to get the same type of response. They probably do not know the facts, but you have the facts because of the internet and, and uh, websites like utlm.org. And so start throwing them out. This is what happened. This is what happened. This is what happened. How can you come and, and say you have had the truth when your prophet uh, stood behind things like this? Okay, let's go to Doug in Draper Online 1, a first-time caller. Doug, you're on Heart of the Matter. Uh, hello, Sean. Listen, this is my first time to call, but I've been a listener for quite a bit of time. I uh, <clears throat> I found tonight uh, it was just a little disturbing of the young man that called and, and wanted to keep his name on the books because <clears throat> his family would uh, reject him. And it, it brought to mind Matthew uh, 10.34. He says, I do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Yeah. For uh, for I have come to set a man against his father, his daughter against his mother, against, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And I won't read on past that, but we have to realize that the choice uh, of following Christ can't be muted by how somebody else rejects or accepts us. It's how Christ accepts us. Doug, it's a beautiful call. I thank you so much for calling and sharing us, sharing those verses that remind us so well of what Jesus came to do. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. God bless you. Bye-bye. Two weeks ago, or last week, we had two callers call. We had one who called and said, the feelings of peace he gets every time he hears Thomas S. Monson speak, the peace he gets, the peace he feels. I just feel so good. I feel good. And then we had another caller call and say, listen, it's the word. It's only the word you trust that you forget all these peaceful feelings. And Doug just reminded of something, something very important here. The prophets of old, unlike the LDS prophets down there on Temple Square, the prophets of old rarely brought peace. The prophets of old brought news that people did not want to hear. They brought news that got them killed and stoned, and no one liked them. These guys are walking around, and, and people are praising them up and down. But the prophets of old, they suffered greatly, and Jesus stood by it. And now Jesus, the greatest prophet, the, great, the God of our lives, he comes in and he says, I didn't come to bring you peace with this message of the gospel. Personal peace, yes, but this message of the gospel is going to cut your families in half. And again, I publicly repent for my previous stance on leave your name on. I publicly repent and I say, take them off. We've got to do it. And I hope this message goes around the world and we all take some proactive action to show them that you guys are not what you think and God doesn't like what you're doing. Let's go to Jim in Salt Lake City. Jim, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hello. Hi. Hi, I just had a... I've, I've been LDS for quite some time, and uh, now I've, I've actually been inactive for quite some time as well. But concerning that Meadows Massacre deal, um, I, I just want to make a question, and then I'll hang up and let you listen to my, or I'll let you answer me. But, um, you know, as far as that's concerned, um, I believe, and I, as far as I understand, you know, they had these LDS people that were commanded to, to, to do a certain thing, and so they go out there and they commit these crimes, as people say, whether they were crimes or not, I don't know. But they killed these people in this war, you know, because they were commanded to, whether they were evil or not, who's to say? It's just as far as to say is the religion that you believe in was commanded to go out and do the same thing. And then they were, and you know, and you guys are, and it'd be the same thing as you guys as being criticized for what you did. 
you know, it's the same thing. They just went out and did what they were commanded to do. They weren't necessarily evil people, so to say. They just went out and did what they were commanded to do. And well, I'll go ahead and listen to that answer. It's the same thing as if you were to do what you were commanded to do. Okay. Thank you so much. Um, I think if you were commanded to do something, if I'm a Christian and I'm commanded to do something by my, my pastor or uh, by somebody and it conflicts with the manual, I'm not going to do it. It's in conflict with what God has said. So there's the difference between what happened at Mountain Meadows and what happens in the life of a true Christian. And let me explain. Mountain Meadows, the LDS militia that was formed went down and they personally told these people from Arkansas who they believed was responsible for the death of, death of Parley P. Pratt, who was killed in Arkansas because he stole the man's wife to become one of his wives and the man went out and shot him dead. Someone started the rumor that these people from Arkansas had both been part of uh, uh, Hans Mill and part of this persecution of Parley P. Pratt. And so they formed this militia and they kept them there and they tried to starve them out and thirst them out. And then this is what the LDS did under their leadership, my friends. Now you ask yourself as I tell you this story, Jesus Christ, is he in any of this? They went in and they told those people from Arkansas, the local Indians are attacking you. We are going to escort you out of here. Okay? We're your friends. And the people saw the Mormons coming. The people thought they were being attacked by Indians. They saw the Mormons coming. They praised God. They went and they trusted the Mormons. And a militia man walked out with every male member and the women there and the children. And they went out. And at a certain point in time, they turned around and they shot and killed all of them. Jesus We're going to Tim in Boise, uh, Carol in Salt Lake City. Carol, you're on Heart of the Matter. I'm sorry, but you only have about one minute. Are you ready? Yeah. You're on the air. Okay. Uh, I just wanted to say the lady that called in earlier about uh, your program not being in, in the Tribune, it is in the Tribune today on page E7. The Tribune does a little article, uh, TV Tonight. And wow. it's in there every Tuesday. So you're on. Is my picture there? Uh, no. No, they didn't have enough room for the picture. <laughs> All right. Hey, thank you so much for that, Carol. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. God bless you. God bless. The Lord loves you. If you don't have a personal relationship with him, it's not too late by any means. Uh, if you're LDS, we've always stood by this. We don't want to argue whether you should leave the church now or not. We're not asking you to leave the church if you're LDS. We're asking you to give Jesus a chance. And I'm asking you, as someone who was LDS, who has family who's LDS, to go to your room and say, God, I want a change of life. I want a change of heart. Show me you're real. Give me new life, Lord. Show me you're there and tell me what I'm to do with my religious experience that has left me so hollow and so void. I promise you that he will bring a new life to you and he will give you new ears to hear, eyes to see, a heart to believe, and then he will walk you through what he wants you to do in this life. Next week, we continue on with the 17 points. We'll see you then on Heart of the Matter. I'm gonna break my rusty cage and run